Hello, podcast listeners. Market is somewhat up today a little bit. I mean, last I checked before the recording of this, the NASDAQ was up. I know Bitcoin was up. The 10-year yield was down. Don't remember how the Dow Jones was doing, but market's having mixed reviews across the board currently. But there's always articles to be talking about out there. Today, we're going to be talking about another Twitter thing, uh, or another Twitter article, actually, about how an FTC official says more deals help the economy, and it has to deal with Twitter. We're then going to also be talking about how President Biden announced today that the U.S. will share a COVID-19 vaccine technology to a global summit. Hooray for more vaccine pushes in the making. Uh, we're going to also talk about Disney. Disney recently just reported their earnings, and this is something I had mentioned in an earlier podcast that we would discuss today because, like I said, I believe how Disney reports earnings will give us an idea of the streaming wars in the making. And we'll end today by talking about the baby formula shortage that is happening within the United States. And I think by the end of this podcast, you might find the baby formula thing more interesting towards the end, but we still got to cover these earlier articles to talk about as well. With that being said, guys, I have to remind you all as I start every time with these podcasts that I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about in this podcast is my opinion or news articles that I'm reading online. I cannot make financial decisions for you in any way, shape, or form. Please go talk to your own professional advisor if you wish to make financial decisions. This podcast is for entertainment purposes and for information for those who wish to seek it out currently. That being said, let's begin today's podcast. Asked about Musk and Twitter, FTC official says some deals help the economy. From Washington, Noah Phillips, a Republican on the U.S. Federal Trade Commission on Thursday, sidestepped a question about Elon Musk's plan to buy Twitter, but said some transactions were economically important because they would lead to better management. Phillips, who was a speaking at an Axios event, was asked if Musk should be allowed to own Twitter and declined to discuss the agency's probe of the deal. Quote, I am not speaking to the antitrust question, and I don't want to speak to anything that we may or may not look at. I'm not saying that one way or another because I don't talk about investigations, he said. But he went on to speak more generally about how certain types of transactions have been good for the U.S. economy. Quote, one thing that has made the American economy robust and competitive over many years is what we call the market for uh, corporate control. While there are a lot of people who... How, how mergers, the fact that we can, that we allow companies to move to people who can manage them better for people to, to bid and say, hey, I can do a better, uh, do that job better, has been a net benefit for the American society over the long period of time, he said. Phillips never specifically mentioned Twitter or Musk, who clinched a deal on April 25th to buy the social media platform in a buyout that was valued at $44 billion. The, the article ends by saying the FTC commissioner went on to express concerns about deals not being reviewed quickly enough. Quote, one of the things that we've um, imperiled is that the market for corporate control, and I think doing that, that this correction, and I think doing that, this mistake, that doesn't make any sense how they quoted him, but we'll live with it for now. It's, it's I think soon, and this is just my own personal opinion, like I've mentioned a lot in the past, I have a feeling before this deal goes through that Elon's going to have to go to Washington and they're going to try to grill him in every way, shape or form about potentially how buying Twitter is a bad idea and try to outrage the American people towards the end of the day about how Elon Musk is buying the Times Square and he's going to control the information. 
And yet in the past, it seems like they didn't care when Jeff Bezos bought the Washington Post or when the corporate media sometimes doesn't give information correctly to the American people. No, it's in their best interest potentially to make themselves look like they're doing their jobs potentially in the end, because I, like I said, I firmly believe Elon Musk is going to get called to Capitol Hill and they're going to grill him the entire time. Like they did with Facebook and Microsoft and all these companies. So if I were Elon, I'd start getting ready potentially for having to go to DC just to have to make your case about why you should be buying out Twitter. So, but we got to keep an eye out for that. Next article. U.S. will share COVID-19 vaccine technology, Biden tells Global Summit. From Washington again, the United States will share technologies used to make COVID-19 vaccines through the World Health Organization, (laughs) the the joke of the organization, as I think it should be called, and is working to expand rapid testing and antiviral treatments for hard-to-reach populations, President Joe Biden said on Thursday. Speaking at the second Global COVID-19 Summit, Biden called on Congress... Uh, sorry, Biden called on Congress to provide additional funds so that the U.S. may contribute more to the global pandemic response. Quote, we are making available health technologies that are owned by the United States government, including stabilized spike protein that is used in many COVID-19 vaccines, Biden said in his opening speech. The summit jointly hosted by the United States, Belize, Germany, Indonesia, and uh, Senegal is being held virtually on Thursday for countries to discuss efforts to end the pandemic and prepare for the future health threats. It is, to, it is to build on efforts and communities made by the first global summit in September, including getting more people vaccinated, sending tests and treatments to the highest risk populations, expanding projections to healthcare workers, and generating financing for pandemic preparedness. It has, got, it has gathered more than $3 billion in new funding, to fight the pandemic, the White House said, including $2 billion for immediate response and a $962 million in commitments to the World Bank Pandemic Preparedness Fund. The contributions included the United States contributing an additional $200 million to a global health fund for future pandemic preparedness at the World Bank, bringing the total contribution to $450 million, it said. The European Union said it would be providing 300 million euros for vaccine support and $450 million for the preparedness fund NGOs. Uh, philanthropies and provide sector made over 700 million in new commitments. We talked about this yesterday. The COVID vaccine recently was making like a thousand dollars a minute. And it was also making about, I think it was like 65 million by the end of each day, if I'm not mistaken. My, my, my numbers might be off, but I do remember the thousand per minute. It's ridiculous. This whole The United States should have to provide everything for the world sometimes, but it's, it's also just insane that we keep trying to pass these bills to provide relief around the world. My question now is why can't the market do its thing and allow people to come up with solutions to them, to these issues? Says here, Biden has asked Congress for over $22.5 billion in additional COVID response funds, including $5 billion for additional aid. But lawmakers have failed to pass any funding bill. And those negotiations, the package, have been unable to agree on how to pay for the global response. How about we stop funding things? We have an inflation issue currently right now. And our debt keeps increasing. Why do we keep spending this money? Don't know. I mean, I get, I get COVID-19 was pretty bad. I I won't deny that. But at the end of the day, who's really pocketing from this? Is it the politicians? 
is it the market itself? Like, is it going to be Pfizer making another who knows how much more money? Is it going to go down to maybe 2000 a minute potentially? I don't know. I just think it's a little ridiculous that now the United States is trying to pass another potential bill to get more money into who, even though who, if I'm not mistaken, isn't really investigating how COVID-19 started. Could be wrong on that. Need to do more in, do more research on that. But I think it's just a little ridiculous. I, I we're, we're, we're spending money we don't currently have for a pandemic that's pretty much done in a way. So... Yeah, it's, I, I don't know what to think about this anymore. I mean, I expect COVID-19 to still be talked about going forward a little bit more. And eventually the news will die down a little bit. But seriously, where's this money coming from? And who's going to profit from this at the end of the day? That's what it really boils down to, in my opinion. Next article, we're going to talk about Disney now. Disney's path to subscriber success is outside U.S. Way to profit less clear. Ooh, this is going to get interesting. Walt Disney quarterly results showed a path for signing up a quarter billion subscribers internationally expansion, but furious growth in, in customers outside the United States is not so certain to bring bumper profits. Its stock fell as much as 5.5% to a two-year low at $99.47 in early trading on Thursday after over half a dozen analysis cut their price target on, on the stock. Disney streaming gains surprised Wall Street estimates. And the marquee Disney Plus video service, thanks to popular new releases, including Pixar's Turning Red and Marvel's Moon Knight. But rising programming and production costs left some investors' analysis unimpressed. The market is now worried that the combination of that subscriber guidance and rising costs to compete more broadly with non-Disney brands will result in less impressive business at a steady rate said Moffat Nathanson, analysis. Chief Financial Officer Christine um, McCarthy commented that the second half subscriber growth for Disney Plus may not be significantly higher than the gains of the first half of the year. Quote, it's likely to be key concern among investors, noted Bank of America analysis Jessica. Disney Plus ended March with 138 million subscribers, up 7.9 million from the previous quarter. The service is poised to launch in 42 countries this summer, said one Disney Plus source. Expanding its global reach to 106 countries, it will produce roughly 500 shows in local languages around the world to attract subscribers in these markets. Chief Executive Bob Chapek said Disney Plus is on track to reach the company's projected target of 230 million to 260 million subscribers by September of 2024. But more than half of its quarter subscriber gains came from Disney Plus. Hotstar in India, where subscribers pay an average of 76 cents a month. That'd be nice if we could do that in the States, but... Oh, well. In the United States, customers pay $6.32 on average. Operating losses for the company streaming business, which include ESPN Plus and Hulu, rose to $877 million in the quarter, triple the loss from a year ago, reflecting higher programming and production expenses. I still think this is a huge problem that Disney's going to be facing. I believe they recently changed their business model, if I'm not mistaken, to the streaming service. I mean, I know at one point ESPN was like 52% of Disney's revenue. And I think they recently changed it to the subscriber base as well, just so that they weren't relying on the parks too much. But it's still somewhat of a concern. We're going to break down the numbers a little bit more now from CNBC on what they're reporting. Because CNBC is reporting this. Disney shares slip after earnings report as COVID closures take a toll on parks in Asia. Now, the numbers they're giving, uh, 
are as following. Earnings per share were a dollar and eight adjusted. Revenue was 19.25 billion, which included a 1 billion reduction resulting from the early termination of some licensing agreements. And Disney Plus total subscriptions, 137.7 million versus 135 million expected according to street account. Now, this article is claiming from CNBC, uh, I think it's up in the earlier part of the article. Let's see. Nope, it's not there. Okay. Anyways, this article goes into about the, how Netflix was having an issue last this recent quarter as we spoke about. Because it says investors were keen to see Disney subscription numbers after Netflix reported a 200,000 subscribers loss during its most recent quarter. Its first decline in paid users in more than a decade. The company forecast a global paid subscriber loss of two million for the second quarter. Disney shares slumped thirty percent since January and more than forty percent compared with the same time last year. As investors wonder if the company can sustain its streaming growth and question how increased inflation and a possible recession could impact its other business ventures. The company showed signs of bouncing back from COVID-19 restrictions. Disney's parks experience and production segment saw revenues more than doubled to $6.7 billion during the quarter compared to the prior year period. The company said growth was fueled by increased attendance, hotel bookings, and cruise ship sailings, as well as higher ticket prices and higher spend on food, beverage, and merchandise. Disney said domestic parks are be- beginning to see the return from international travels, but not at the levels the company saw before the pandemic. This group of vis. Visitors once accounted for 18 to 20% of guests. Shanghai, and this is important to remember too, while the Hong Kong location reopened on April 21st, Shanghai remains closed. McCarthy noted that the overall parks experience and and consumer production segments operating income in the current quarter could see a 350 million impact because of the closure in Asia. Now, Shanghai virtually is closed. Hong Kong at least is probably still open. I mean, but it's only a matter of time, potentially, if Hong Kong is having the same issues as Shanghai, that they'll shut things down. I mean, even currently right now, Disney is not even reporting about how uh, the effects of Florida potentially are going to affect them, um, at least from the Fox business side of things. As it says, Disney executives tout strong results on second quarter earnings call, but remain silent about Florida dispute. And they don't even talk about the Florida dispute issue in this article until it's like the very end where it says, it remains to be seen how Disney's rift with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis will play out. And then it goes into Disney originally slammed Florida's parental rights education bill. But they, they're not reporting about how this is going to affect at the end of the day. Because the other thing, too, is apparently people had sued because it says after dissent decided the bill last month dissolving Disney's private government, a group of Florida citizens challenged the law in court, but a judge dismissed the lawsuit on Tuesday. We don't know how this is going to work out in the end. I mean, I'm expecting Disney to get hammered because of the Florida issue towards the end. And if Shanghai doesn't open up anytime soon, Shanghai Disney is going to be a loss in revenue for Disney. I mean, Hong Kong will probably still be profitable and then Tokyo will still be profitable. I believe France Disney is still open and obviously Disney World and Disneyland are still open. So let's see, that's Hong Kong, Tokyo, California, Florida, France. That's at least five parks that are still going to be open. Shanghai is going to be closed, potentially. So your loss of revenue next quarter is going to be Shanghai and potentially Hong Kong if Hong Kong has any COVID issues. So 
Disney shareholders, be on the lookout for that. Be on the lookout for China, potentially, because that could determine a lot of things. Besides the subscriber growth, obviously, as well. Which I still think is going to be a huge issue, because I don't see a lot of people paying a lot for multiple subscriptions. I think Disney will become king of the pack, because a lot of people are obsessed with Disney, especially the millennial generation. Because they're always posting. If you have friends like I do who are constantly posting on social media, they're always posting like Disney, whether they're at Disneyland or they're posting about watching something from Disney+. Plus. Who knows at the end of the day. Last article. Abbott could restart infant formula production at Michigan plant. Abbott Laboratories, ABT, said on Wednesday it could restart production of infant formula as its troubled Michigan facility within two weeks. The company in February recalled some baby formulas, including certain um, Similac products made from the plant in Sturgis after complaints about bacterial infections and in infants who had consumed the products. Now, apparently this happened about a few months ago. Okay. But what I find interesting is apparently Joe Biden is going to be talking to the American people soon about the formula shortage soon. Something tells me... <laughs> And this is just my guess. He's going to blame Russia somehow on this as well. Or he's going to blame the companies. That's even better. He'll blame the companies for not having better facilities to make sure the products weren't tampered when the shortage happened. But says here too, U.S. lawmakers to examine infant formula shortage. U.S. lawmakers plan to hold a hearing this month on shortages of infant formula. The House Energy and, and Commerce Committee said on Wednesday, why is the House Energy reporting this to uh, Reuters in Washington? Why isn't it like not the food and agriculture side of things? I, I don't get it, but I find that hilarious. Calling the situation increasingly alarming. The hearing was announced as Abut Laboratories, the biggest supplier of milk formula in the United States, said it could restart production within two weeks of infant formula at a troubled Michigan plant that has been tied to shortages. The House of Representatives panels, which is scheduled to meet on May 25th, did not name any company executives or other witnesses, but said it would release more details before the meeting. The hearing will focus on the shortage causes, efforts to increase production, and what action is needed to ensure access to safe formula across the nation. The committee chair representative, Frank, a Democrat, said in a statement. White House spokes, uh, spokesperson, Kareen, uh, also said that it was a top priority to ensure that the baby formula is available amid the shortage. Shortages developed after ABOT recalled, uh, recalled Similac and other baby formulas in February made at his Michigan plant following complaints of bacterial infections in infants who consumed the products. Abot on Wednesday said the restart of Michigan plant would be subject to approval of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. See, that's the group that should be talking about this, not the energy. And that will take six to eight weeks for the production to return to store shelves once production is resumed. It said that after a thorough review, there was no evidence linking the formula to infant illness. Okay. Something that... Also needs to be pointed out from the same article before we get into the reasons what's causing the potential shortage is actually it's saying now that retailers like Target, CVS, and Walgreens have limited in-store online formula purchases. Okay. Now, if you've ever worked in retail, you would know that that's kind of a huge pain to have to tell customers all the time that, sorry, there's a shortage, so therefore you can't get as much. So we're going to explain now what is actually causing these shortages. From the Atlantic, 
what's behind America's shocking baby formula shortage? There are three things. It's a bacterial, it's a virus, and it's a trade policy. And a lesson to be learned, apparently. So, first, the bacteria. Uh, Let's just say, after recent deaths, at least two infants from a rare infection, the Food and Drug Administration investigated ABOT, a major production of infant formula, and they discovered there was traces of a pathogen in the Michigan plant. As a result, the FDA recalled several brands of formula and parents are advised to not buy or use some formula tied to the plant. Recalls are common. Thousands of drugs and drugs and, pro- and products are recalled every year and they don't create a meltdown at pharmacies or require CVS to instate Soviet-style rationing of essentials. So something else is going on here. That brings us to the second case, the virus. The pandemic has snarled all sorts of supply chains, but I can't think of a market it's yanked around more than infant formula. During the spring of 2020, formula sales rocketed upwards as people stockpiled formula just like they stockpiled toilet paper. Uh, Lehman Stone, the director of research at the Consulting of Demographic Intelligence, told me then as, quote, families worked through their stockpiles, sales fell a lot. This uh, escalation made planning for production extremely difficult. It was complicated to get an idea of an actual market size. Meanwhile, Stone's research has found that the uptick in births in early 2022 has uh, corresponded with a very dramatic decline in rating and rates of breastfeeding among new mothers, which pushed up demand for formula once again. So obviously, it's it's funny that this is now related to toilet paper. So this is back from 2020, obviously, when the pandemic first started. Because if, if you guys remember just walking around the store, just seeing how empty the shelves were, I mean, that doesn't surprise me at all. People were panicking about the virus. So in brief, demand for formula surged as parents hoarded in 2020. Then demand fell, leading suppliers to cut back production through 2021. And now with more than new mothers demanding more formula in 2022, orders are surging faster than supply is recovering. Finally, this is the third factor, America's regulatory and trade policy. And while that might not sound as interesting to most people as bacterial and viruses, it might be the most important part of the story. And I kind of agree with where this guy's going with in this article. FDA regulation of formula is so stingent that most of the stuff that comes out of Europe is illegal to buy here due to technicalities like labeling requirements. Nevertheless, one study found that many European formulas meet the FDA nutritional guidelines and in some ways might even be better than American formula because East because European Union bans certain sugars such as corn syrup and requires formulas to have higher share of lo- uh, lactose. Some parents who don't care about the FDA's um, imprimatur try to circumvent regulations by ordering formulas from Europe through third-party vendor- vendors. But U.S. custom agencies have been known to seize shipments at the border. U.S. policies also restricts the importation of formula that does not meet FDA requirements. At high volumes, the tax on formula imports can exceed 17%. And under President Donald Trump, the U.S. entered into a new North American trade agreement that actively discourages formula imports from our largest trading partner, Canada. America's formal policy wraps the industry in one in one more way, the Department of Agriculture has a special program called WIC, um, short for Sp- uh, Special Supplement Nutrition Program for Women's, Infants, and Children, that provides a variety of services to pregnant and breastfeeding women and their young children. It's the largest purchaser, purchaser of infant formula in the United States, awarding contracts to a small number of approved formula companies. As a result, the U.S. baby formula industry 
is minuscule by design. A 2011 analysis of USDA reported that three companies accounted for particularly all U.S. formula sales. Abot, Med Johnson, and Gerber. Okay. So three companies control a lot of the formula. Okay. Obviously, Abot's currently out of the production because of their Michigan plant. But hopefully, they will get back online soon. I mean... You have three companies control things. That's going to happen at the end of the day, potentially, where you have shortages in the making. Last thing to talk about in this article before, too, is the Biden administration is focused on expanding domestic manufacturing of formula to meet family needs. But the biggest problem is our trade policy. The U.S. is is a captive market for domestic dairy producers like Abot. And during times of crisis, the lack of alternative supplies becomes pretty big problem. From Scott, the Director of General Economics and Trade from the Cato Institutes. At the end of the day, there's going to be a lot of shortages for formula currently. And it's not going to end anytime soon. Okay, Maybe one thing the U.S. should really start doing is not make it so hard for the European Union to have to ship things to the United States. Potentially. I have a hard time believing that this was also kind of Trump's fault because in a lot of ways, a lot of these trade uh, ideas were kind of done before Trump made it into office. And maybe the bills that were passed way before Trump made it into office as well. But for those of you who are mothers and who are potentially looking into this situation, good luck out there currently. Because I think the shortages are going to continue to get worse until manufacturing needs get back up. Or maybe the U.S. can hopefully pass a law sooner instead of having to wait another few weeks before Congress gets together to meet to figure out what to do with the formula situation. I mean, if there's one thing you don't want, you don't want angry mothers on the streets. So please, Congress, get to work and stop worrying about other stuff currently right now. Because if there's one thing that people talk more, it's their stomachs. And we don't need angry people on the streets currently. Because there's already enough anger as it is. So that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you have, please like and subscribe. And and please share this podcast with people and friends or family that you might know who you think would enjoy this podcast as well. As every like and subscription we get and every listener we get can help continue to grow this podcast so we can keep talking about what's happening in the markets. With that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Thank you and goodbye.